Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this episode of Missing Point, we'll take a look at the New England Patriots as their streak of 11 consecutive AFC East titles has come to an end. And with the path to the playoff officially closed, we'll start to look forward to see how the Patriots can get back to the top of the mountain in 2021. We'll also discuss all the biggest storylines coming out of the NFL in Week 13. And we'll also travel back in time to 1995, the last time the Buffalo Bills won the AFC East. But first, some housekeeping. Missing the Point is a one-hour weekly podcast recapping the biggest stories in the world of sports with a New England flavor. The show notes and transcript from today's episode can be found in the description box below, as well as on our website, www.mtpshow.com. If you're new to the show, please consider subscribing. It's the easiest way to see we publish new episodes. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate us and leave a review of any of our shows. We always appreciate your feedback. Also, be sure to follow us on all of our social medias. All of our links will be in the show notes. And check out our brand new website, www.mtpshow.com. That's mtpshow.com. And now, this is Missing the Point, episode 23. But it's all relative. Welcome, everybody, into Missing the Point. I'm Joe Malkin, joined tonight by Dave Clark and Mike Marcangelo. And, of course, the greatest EP we could ever find. Well, he found us. Craig D'Alessandro. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Awesome. Yep, good, man. I'm just ready to get into it. Ready to get into it? Good, because we have a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to start with the AFC East. A big part of, of the weekend uh, in the NFL was the AFC East and the fact that the New England Patriots have officially been uh, disqualified, if you will. They've been knocked out of the race for the AFC East title. Uh, it'll be the first time in 12 years. They won the last 11 straight. It'll be the first time in the last 12 years that the New England Patriots cannot win the AFC East title. And that was after a very disappointing 24-3 to loss to the Los Angeles Rams last Thursday night to, to kick off week 14 after coming off a 45 to nothing win also in L.A. against the Chargers. So my first question to Mike, what happened to the Patriots in L.A. after winning in L.A.? Yeah, I, I think I think what happened was, um, you know, the Chargers were a team that the Patriots match up against. Well, just if, if for no other reason, it's it's because Bill Belichick just lives rent free in every head of uh, of rookie quarterbacks. He just does. He always does so well against them. 
Um, that was a great game, not by Cam, but by the team. Uh, it was a really good game. And then they just they just got their asses kicked by the Rams. I would say like the Rams are a top tier, you know, NFL team. They're like probably like the the lower half of that tier. And they just they ran all over us. Uh, they threw all over us, and it was embarrassing that Cam Newton throws a pick six on a screenplay. When's the last time you saw that happen? So I think what happened, you know, Cam Newton can never be down by more than seven points and win a game in this offense. Maybe it's not his fault. Maybe it is. I haven't really wrapped my head around that. All I know is that I think Belichick uh, was lulled into a false sense of security after the win against the Chargers, and then just he got his absolute ass ass whooped in in the in the Rams game. We, we've seen it uh, already a couple times this year with the Chargers, where Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, makes some questionable coaching decisions. He did it again this weekend, but he ended up winning. Uh, but he he did it again this weekend, and he did it against the Patriots on multiple occasions. And they have a rookie quarterback, so you're absolutely right, Mike. The matchup was better against the Chargers, and then the Los Angeles Rams, who they've they've seen before. It's basically the same team they played in the Super Bowl a few years ago. Same quarterback, a, a lot of the same defensive players. They really bolster. I mean, that defense is is probably underrated. I, I think it's definitely one of the best defenses in the NFL. But Dave, from from your standpoint, our New England Patriots spent two weeks out in Los Angeles, which is your neck of the woods, and and you got a smirk on your face already. So I don't know where you're gonna go with this, but what I mean, what do you what do you have to say uh, about the New England Patriots and what have you heard out in LA? Um oh guys, I'm sorry. This is such a bummer to watch you just <laughs> roll around like this in pain i was put out of my misery weeks ago on this season um you put yourself out of the uh, out of your own misery when yeah, the bears were i did five and, and, and this is gonna be we're gonna the season over we're gonna i knew though i knew i could say i watched them every week they're my team i could see how thin they were and i was right so here we are i i just want to talk you guys through like your processing here because to answer your question, Mike, the last time I saw a team throw a pick six on a screen pass was uh, Cam Newton <laughs> threw, threw a pass to uh, Julian Edelman, and he scooped it like a baby and threw it to the uh, – and that was this season. It was only a few weeks ago. He might have blocked it out, which is fine. No, no, that was the Chiefs game, and Cam wasn't playing. Oh, who who threw that pass then? Brian Hoyer, but also uh, just a disclaimer. Oh, so they've designed PSA. the play for all quarterbacks. That's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. Gets <laughs> hey, quick PSA, don't throw babies. Yeah, no, don't. Don't I, I always did think of that expression, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like who did that, that they had to come up with that anyway. So that's to answer that question. Um, it's funny how them, the Rams beating the Patriots has now become a discussion in the new England fan base of, well, you know, the Rams aren't that bad. <laughs> this is now what I'm hearing. Well, they, but they weren't, they weren't to begin with. I know, but like, you know, I, I did listen last week and I, my heart went out to you guys as I heard you all just amp yourselves up um for for the patriots comeback season bill belichick's a genius again he's gonna he's gonna go out there and he's on the road and he's gonna get this huge victory it's gonna swing the momentum back our way and i had a sneaking suspicion um i wasn't on the show so i can just say that i predicted this (laughs) i had a sneaking suspicion (laughs) that uh that the rams were gonna be beat up on you guys um mainly because you can't move the ball and like it's a very unpatriots like quality to have and i'm sure it's like taking a lot of getting used to watching it but 
watching the Bears this year and watching the Patriots on offense is a very similar experience. It's it's incredibly frustrating. Your quarterback is better though, no matter which one they play. Yeah, which, whichever one it is. I mean, the, the the difference between the Bears and the Patriots is like they have the personnel on the Bears to move the ball. They just That's, don't. Have yeah, they're, they're like the opposite of one another. It's right. like we have the people, but not the coaching and the decision right. making. You guys have the coaching and the decision making, but not the personnel. I totally agree with you. So if the Bears if the Bears had Belichick as their head coach, they they would have you know two losses. I would kill each of you individually if, in order to have <laughs> Belichick as my coach. Just well, I just see, want that they, on the record. So that's going to be one of our conversations that comes up in our live show uh, this coming Sunday is coaches in the NFL. We've already mentioned Anthony Lynn and David. So interesting. You bring that up because you, you brought that up in, in our Slack channel on Thursday night. Like you guys really talked yourselves into that, into a win against the Rams. And that was myself, Rayshon and, and Bob Kelly that were on the show last weekend. So episode 21 down in the show notes. Yeah. I heard you guys talk yourselves into Jared Stidham at the start of the season. And I knew you were talking yourself into that too, before when they went and got Cam Newton, although I'm not sure how much better it would have been or worse it would have been. But I, you know, I think that this is a, this is a growing pain of a season. You're, it's very difficult for you guys to process having a bad football team, which is totally understandable because it's been a long time since you've had a bad football team. But it's never been this bad. I mean, th- th- they look anemic. Oh, well, it has been. What I'm, what I'm saying, like when I say it's never been this bad under Bill Belichick, I mean, that first year, five and 11, sure. It could be as simple as a lot of Bill's tricks. Like you always have to speculate about Bill Belichick's the thing because you're never going to get anything from it. It's like trying to get blood from a stone, trying to get information on how he does his job. But it could be as simple as a lot of the stuff that Bill figures out, he figures out in the preseason. And we had a truncated, uh, you know, non-existent preseason and a sort of a truncated intro into the season. Maybe that's where he spends a lot of the time getting his guys ready. Maybe that's where he spends a lot of like... It's such a weird season that like I don't think you can completely write off the 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 Patriots in to that degree because you do have Bill Belichick. So it makes sense when you guys talk yourself into yeah. stuff because it's like that's a pretty extreme drop off from being in the Super Bowl. What is it? Two years ago now. Yep. So it, that's not to say that Bill Belichick isn't still a good coach. You don't. You know. You still have uh, the best coach of all time as your coach. So it makes sense to be like, oh, you know what? Maybe this is that was the problem. We're turning things around. I think it just says like without uh, without Tom Brady or an elite level quarterback, right? Bill Belichick, the coach, cannot outcoach the awful decisions of Bill Belichick, the GM. That's what we're seeing, right? So I listened to the show last week, and I was part of the the, the whole amping up process. I know this is like his best coaching performance, but that's kind of bullshit, right? Because he gives himself the players, so he feeds himself crap. And then awards himself like coach of the year by getting them to nine and seven because they were crap and they, they had a winning season. He did it to himself. Now, I know that this year was different. I think you hit the nail on the head there with the preseason. I think he uses the preseason to figure out the role players, right? Like the second level. And he's that's why you, how you always get like a crazy running back you've never heard of coming out and putting yeah. a good season, you know, like the, the also Malcolm the Butler receivers. Yeah. But that just hasn't emerged this season. That's the biggest difference. So maybe, you know, maybe there's something to that. What what come what it comes down to, and it's it's not excuse making, it's just the truth, right? So we're we're saying that he finds his role players uh in the preseason, which he didn't have this year. He waited uh it wasn't as bad as the Gronkowski situation where he 
retired like two days after or two days. Yeah. Two days after they could have signed Jared cook and they were waiting to see what Gronkowski was going to do. I have my feelings on Gronkowski and you all know really what they are. I think the guys, I mean, I I think the Patriots had what they got, what they had coming to them in a lot of ways, because I think they screwed him over uh, in a few medical areas of, of the game. Um, But then he comes into this year Brady makes his decision kind of late, but then he sits around and waits. I mean, we, we had, a how long was the list of free agent quarterbacks this off season that he could have gone out and, and picked up? I yeah, mean, how many of them worked out? You know what I mean? Like it would, well, would any of them I mean, made a if, difference? If Phillip rivers, I think would have made a difference, but I mean, but Dave, I think part of the part of what you're you've said all season long is how do you also expect to win when you had the most players opt out due to COVID tons of opt outs. I was just about to say that. And when you have a pile of crap as your special uh, specialists on, on offense, it was a situation where if he had come out and you would never do this in the NFL, whether there's fans in the stands or not, because you want people to watch the games. But if he had come out and been like, Hey, we're probably going to be eight and eight this season. I don't think any any of us would have batted an eye. You're saying he knew that going in, though? You think he, he knew what he was working with and he wasn't expecting a winning season? I do and I don't because he he is the master preparer, right? Like, he's always prefer, prepared for every situation. But there have been so many situations in this season that he just he hasn't looked prepared for. And I think that's partially because what Mike said. And, Mike, I don't think he needs an elite quarterback, but he no longer has that elite quarterback, right? So, yeah. Cam Cam isn't elite and he never really he was never elite. Okay. He was very good in Carolina. Yeah, I mean, he I did have he, an MVP season. Well, sure, fair. he had an MVP season. He went to a Super Bowl, right? So, but I, I still don't think he's elite. I think he's very good and he was able to work in a Ron Rivera offense. I just don't think, and I've said this to you guys before, and you ripped me for it, but I just don't think that that McDaniels has made the offense good enough for or bad enough for Cam. You literally can't dumb down this offense more than McDaniels has for Cam. <laughs> and, 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 and like his it, play it is calling a, yesterday uh, Thursday was awful. Yeah, it's because he knows that his quarterback doesn't trust his wide receivers to throw now. I mean he Cam the reason why he holds on to the ball too long, number one is he can't read a blitz. Can't. No, he, he's never been able to. He needs hooked on phonics for NFL blitzes. That's number one. Number two his double pumps and he waits until J- uh, Jacoby Myers or Nikhil Harry or Demir bird are not going to create separation. And then he just throws it into the ground. So what do you, what are you going to do? Damian Harris should be fed the ball 30 times a game because he can run. That is the one bright spot in this season that, that I've noticed for the Patriots so far. And the other thing on, on the Belichick uh, on, on the, the whole Belichick scheme and, and what's been happening. What I will say is that guy is usually prepared for everything. He was not prepared for a pandemic. Number one, number two. And in this instance, when you don't have the time to do a training camp, you don't have a preseason talent on your roster wins out and he doesn't have any. You're absolutely right. I mean, he he has he doesn't have the talent at the specialty positions. He he needs he needs to have the talent, sure. But I think that having that one piece of quarterback can make all the difference. So let's talk about that then, because we obviously know that Cam can't throw the ball, right? He's he's clearly there's something wrong with him, and. It, 
physically. Yeah, but we say that, but then he makes like a 30-yard in-cut, like right on the numbers. I mean, he, so he can do two throws, right? I think we've established that. It's the, it's the deep ends. He know he can he can always hit that that receiver, and he's pretty good on a wheel route, but he can't go over the middle of the field. He just can't. Which is how the Patriots' offense has been designed for the last two decades. So, so but so that's where that's where I say that McDaniel's needed to change that. Yeah, but you're asking somebody to implement a philosoph- complete philosophical overhaul in uh, in a matter of months with no preseason, and I think that's a little bit unfair. And also the Patriots fan base and the Patriots media for like a large part tends to beat the Patriots with their own stick. You know, like this is the standard that they created and now they're being held to the standard without having the same pieces that they had when creating that standard. And I think it would be very helpful for the team if everybody said, okay, we are now officially in our first ever full rebuild and accepted that. And it's obviously the case. Now, you, I, if there's anything Bill Belichick isn't good at, it's probably communicating. I'm not sure how he's like held a marriage down, to be qu- quite frank with you. But maybe he's he different at he home. He hasn't. Oh, did he? Is he? I don't know about his personal life. I don't care. I just watch. I just watch him on the sidelines. But the, uh, but the, the thing is, is you need to give him time to rebuild this team. He needs a full overhaul. When you when you lose a Hall of Fame, arguably greatest of all time quarterback, you're going to need to rebuild your team. They tried it out with Cam. You can't expect Josh McDaniels to write an entire new offense and adjust around a new quarterback at the same time without a preseason going in. It's and and he's getting beat for with this stick that he made for himself, you know? I mean, it's he's he made the offense that Tom Brady succeeded in. Uh and that was those are over the middle, you know, 10 10 to 15 yard plays, hit your spot when you're told to. Um, smart wide receivers that like know exactly what they're supposed to do and know what their job is. Like you don't really need a ton of flash. So then you then what you do is you don't draft a ton of flash. And you don't have a ton of just like raw talent on your team because that haven't, hasn't been what you needed at those attacking, at those offensive positions. So then when the system starts to break down because you don't have the same guy there to run it, you have a situation where, okay, well, we need to do what you're saying, Joe, which is go back to the drawing board. But you're also trying to build the plane while you're flying it, you know, because you're also in the middle of a season <laughs> where you have to try and win some games. You're not really going to tank because you just went and got Cam Newton. And he looked okay in the first few weeks, but then he just kind of went off a cliff. Um, especially once like they started to figure out what the Patriots, you know, other teams started getting tape on him on a Patriots team and figuring out what they were going to do. It got worse. And added to that, right when you hit December, the Patriots usually go into third gear because they can bring teams to Foxborough and beat up on them in the cold with like thousands and thousands of screaming Patriots fans there to like add to what I would argue for years was one of the best home field advantages in all of football. So when, um, you know, there's a, the whole Seattle thing I thought was a little overblown and then, but I was never there, so I can't really speak to it. And then, but I do think there's some teams in the Midwest that do just as well with, I won't name names, but <laughs> I think it's tough to go to right, Soldier Field in December too. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, and yeah, and, Lam- and Lambo is an amazingly difficult place to go. But, um, but you have to cut them slack for those reasons, I think. And it doesn't mean that Bill Belichick is, is like not smart all of a sudden that like, you know, that he isn't able to do like everything I just listed out to you, which is a lot of shit. He's got to figure a lot of shit out right now. You know, there's a lot of problems on the table, but I'm confident he'll do it because he's proven that he can. I just think that he doesn't have enough uh, top tier talent to outsmart like what's happening. What's I don't, happening I, I don't know if what you're saying about the GM thing is true though, because he did maintain a team as a GM for like a long time, you know, and eventually a team is going to need a rebuild. It's going to happen. 
Sure. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. But for like, even like their best seasons, like before this last run of Super Bowls, like when they didn't make it to the, like they just made it to the playoffs, he always had a Brady or a, or a Brady like person on defense. So he always had those two pillars. His pillar this year should have been Stefan Gilmore. He's not having a great year, but Hightower opted out. Um, and again, like you can actually see the correlation between when Julian Edelman left this year or when he was like really banged up to the, to the slow demise of the Patriots, right? Cam Newton was an NFL quarterback for the first four weeks. I mean, he was he was competing with Seattle. They were they were having really good games. He was throwing for 250, 300 yards. He's only eclipsed 150 yards once in the last four weeks. Well, like I said, tape, tape emerged on him and he started to get figured out because they were doing the same four things every time. And yeah, it's going to work against Seattle because Seattle hasn't seen it, you know, but they still won. (laughs) So it doesn't really matter that much. And then eventually, Oh, okay. So this is what they're going to do with cam. Like this kind of weird three back run pass option thing that just stopped working. And then, you know, like you said, you realize that the middle of the field, you can leave completely open and just like push safeties to either side, to either sideline bring up a linebacker like into a cover two and then like and anything that comes over the middle just going to get batted down or caught or whatever and that's a pretty easy offense to play against <laughs> you know what i mean but any defense playing against the patriots has the ability to say okay we're going to rush seven we're just going to put four in coverage none of them can create separation so and we can and can't can also hold the ball for too long i've noticed yeah oh because because he doesn't know when a blitz is coming he has no idea well, he's also having a tough time reading the second. I mean, it's really obvious. There's seven guys running at you. <laughs> <laughs> you can't figure it out, dude. I don't know what to tell you. You would think when you have five guys uh, and, a, and a running back in front of you. So I think we can all agree, regardless of, of no no preseason, no training camp, um, really no time to implement an offense, you're asking a, a coach to adjust to a quarterback and a quarterback to adjust to a coach. And as Dave said, you're building the plane as you're flying it, which I don't do that at home. So what do we, what do the new England Patriots do at quarterback and, and where do they go from here? Because Cam Newton is on a one year, $1 million deal, right? Jared yep. Stidham, probably not the answer. Brian Hoyer, aging quarterback. He's not going to be around forever. He's, basically a glorified coach at this point. So there's been a few names that we've talked about that we've floated out there and that have been floated out there in the media already. So the story came out today, Mike, that two options that could be possible in new England are Matt Stafford and Jimmy Garoppolo. For me, I, I love, I love the idea of Matt Stafford, right? I, I, because I think that, he has all the intangibles that you want from a quarterback, um, especially, you know, he can buy time in the pocket. He knows how to read a blitz. He has a hell of an arm. The thing about him is, is he's always had at least one elite skill player on offense with him, right? Whether it was Calvin Johnson, whether it was the emergence of gold uh, of golden Tate and uh, now Marvin Jones and, and Kelly Galladay, like Kenny Galladay, like they've, they've just done a pretty good job at producing good skill players. We don't have that here. So I'm more inclined to say like Jimmy G's like what I, what I said in the Slack today was you trade Stefan Gilmore to the 49ers for Jimmy G and literally whatever else they want. And, you know, you have a guy that's pretty familiar with your system. Bill loves him. Josh loves him. And like, he doesn't need a a, a huge, uh, you know, talented roster around him. He's not a good deep ball thrower. So just just throw the short intermediate routes 
And I think with Jimmy G, and let's say next year, all these players come back, like Hightower, um, Chung, which, first of all, I think he's useless. But uh, like people like him. Uh, I think like, that's a 10-win team, right? Because this defense, for better or for worse, has held on pretty well this year. They've kept them in a lot of games. So, for me, I'm all in on Jimmy G. I do think he does have a, a weird history of getting injured. And oh, by weird, think, you mean it happens every season. Yeah, but like, the, oh, but, but it doesn't but happen it, every season. Three of the last. There's just one season where it didn't happen. He went to the Super Bowl. That's. The, the, but he he puts himself in weird positions to be injured. Like it's not the coach's fault in in New England that he decided to scramble uh, to the you know to the right side of the field and land and get and get thrown to the ground on his non throwing shoulder. Really, there's nothing that you could have done there besides give yourself up a little bit sooner. Well, the only reason you're you're even positing getting Jimmy G is because you think you might be able to because the 49ers would trade him because he's injury prone. Well, because that's not Kyle, because that's not Kyle Shanahan's guy. Kyle Shanahan likes to draft and develop quarterbacks. He didn't do that with, with Jimmy G. He was given a pretty well-developed quarterback that didn't have a lot of pro experience that he probably thought he could mold. But if you, if you really look, they've not built that offense around Jimmy G, right? That is the same offense pretty much that you would see, with anyway, like when you you don't notice a difference between Mullins and Jimmy G in terms of the way the offenses run. You notice it when they lose more games, though. He's still their starting quarterback. You're trying to go get, you know. Yeah, but the overall scheming of the offense, the, he, Kyle Shanahan, from what I what I can see, and you can you know you can come at me if I'm wrong. He thinks he can put any 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 quarterback back there to be the leader of his offense. Whereas in New England, they built an offense around Tom Brady. They've tried to tell it around Cam Newton's not working. So they can bring in Jimmy G, who has, a, who has a pretty good understanding of what it used to be, and you know, hit the ground running. So Dave, let's let's talk about that with, with the injury prone where he's been in um, San Francisco now for four years. He's been injured three of those four years. He's played um Six. He played six games in his first season, three games in his second season. He played all 16 plus three in the playoffs and a Super Bowl appearance in his third season, which was last year. This year he played in six games, and, and now he's he's done for the season. So, And also when he was in New England, he got through one and a half, six quarters before he went down. Now, yeah. my argument on the New England injury, which Mike uh, explained where he rolled out and was basically crunched into the ground by a Miami defender on his non-throwing shoulder, that one, I even even you can put it on Jimmy for for doing that. Um, it it kind of goes into the situation that they have this year, right? Unprepared f- for the guy that they're putting under center because Brady. Now again, they knew. I mean, they it's not like they they didn't know Brady was going to be suspended, right? Like they had to know. So that right. where they they were probably preparing in some way, shape, or form for Jimmy Garoppolo to be the starting quarterback there, but it, they were half blindsided by that suspension coming so close to the beginning of the year. So Dave, when you, when you talk about the injuries, w- one guy I like to bring up in this conversation is Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe was only as good as the offensive line that was built in front of him. That is how I feel about Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you, do you think that, and because Mike just said it too about San Francisco, that they didn't build the offense around Jimmy, they built Jimmy around the offense. If they build the offensive line around Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's San Francisco or New England, and keep him upright, is he a good enough quarterback to lead a team for the next seven years? I mean, if it's me, if I'm running the organization, which I'm not, obviously, um, no, you can't rely on him. You know, for me, it's just he's unreliable, and I and I don't think <clears throat> I don't think Bill and Josh are 
willing to put themselves in a position where they're going to gamble their next seven years on a Jimmy G type. Um, if you're trying to go all in right now at the quarterback position in New England, which I'm not 100% sure they are, but if they are, I think what you do is you you wait and see what's happening with Dak down in, in Dallas because there's just no guarantee that um, Dallas is going to pay him that money now with that ankle injury. I can very, very much see Jerry Jones being that guy that goes like, well, I don't know, man. I just saw his ankle explode. He's probably going to try and get $40 million off of Dallas. It's like $30 million even if they tr- franchise tag him, I think. So he's expensive now. Um, looking at how gruesome that injury was, but there's a really good chance because it was like a crazy freak injury. Um, you know, we, as we know, it, it can go badly. You cannot, you could potentially not come back from that injury or potentially you could. Um, but he was about to have like the best season of any quarterback, you know, top, top two or three at least, but he was on track to have an amazing season this season before that happened. And I think maybe there's a world if, any kind of back and forth starts to happen with that contract and you can go and get him. He's a free agent. Also, if you're interested, Mitch Trubisky also a free agent this year. So, you know, if you guys like him, I'd rather, I'd rather have Mitch than Dak. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) No, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with Mike on that one. And and here's why you you talk about injury prone. You talk about a guy having an injury to his ankle. I mean, that's not injury prone though. It's not, you know, let me rephrase. You talk about injury prone with Jimmy, right? But we know that Jimmy can succeed because he has. When he's played a full season, he has succeeded, at least gotten to that spot where he had an opportunity to to clinch a, a Super, Bowl, Super Bowl victory. With Dak, Dak was on the way, but we'll never know. And now he may come back and never be the same quarterback. Now you bring Mitch Trubisky into the conversation and honestly, I don't think he's as bad as people think he is. No, you definitely don't want him in New England. Trust me. He's not going to be able to figure See, out. See, now you offense. sound like Bobby. Now you sound like Bobby, and he's not even here to defend himself. <laughs> Trust me, you don't want him. Well, it's like, how do you, how do you know, though? How do you know? I watched him? him more than you, <laughs> so I feel like I should know. <laughs> All right, so here's another guy that kind of reminds me of Mitch Trubisky, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll go to, to Dave with this one. Carson Wentz has basically been put on the block today. ESPN is reporting that Philadelphia is trying to move on from Carson Wentz after uh, Jalen Hurts had the week that he did. One of the teams on the list of teams that could go out and get Carson Wentz is the New England Patriots, along with the 49ers, the Broncos, and the Colts. Interesting that the Niners and the Patriots would both be listed in those four teams uh, because that's kind of exactly what we're talking about. Dave, if you're one of those four teams – do you take Carson Wentz or Mitch Trubisky? Yeah, um, I would take Carson Wentz because I've, you know, actually, no, he's really bad. He sucks. I would not take Carson Wentz. The The thing is, is that I think he's going to end up in Indianapolis because uh, what's his knuckles coach is there and he likes him. Um, he drafted Frank him. Frank Reich. Who, yeah, he Frank drafted. Reich. He coaches there, so he's probably and Philip Rivers is only on one year, I think, so he'll need to fill that spot. I think it's de- he's destined to go to Indianapolis. If you're the Patriots, no, I would not take him. If you're the Patriots, because you've already had a bad quarterback play there. I think um, 
I've actually started to like, I never want to become a Mitch Trubisky truther, you know, like as a Bears fan, because I spent years and years and years defending Jay Cutler and I didn't have a podcast then, but it was fucking exhausting. And it, I, I was like, I'm just going to be skeptical about this guy. I'm going to be skeptical about it. And I've tried to get myself amped up to support Trubisky, but then he does, he's like a bad boyfriend. You know, he, he went and did that on Sunday. He went and just completely blew out the, um, the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson, like, is having having a pretty good season statistically, and this and the, you know this defense shut them down. So it's like, oh, are they going to be good? Like, what's what's going to happen? And no, don't get your hopes up. You know, it's the same thing that happens to you guys. Trubisky flatters to deceive. That's that's what he likes to do, which is I would argue worse than just being straight out bad. You know, um, which is what Carson Wentz has the politeness to do. So if you're taking either of them. Carson Wentz is going to cost you a lot more. So I, I have to, I have to say no to Carson Wentz, like, uh, like across the board, if you're going to put them both on the block, but the Eagles are taking a bath on him, regardless of what happens. Like the fact that they've officially given up on him, like they're going to have to pay. Cause I think there's some weird clause where they have to trade him before a certain date. And then the team that gets him only has to pay like 2021 and 2022. I could be wrong about that, but the, uh, so it's not as bad for the team that gets him. I know this much. It's not as bad for the team that gets him as it's going to be for the Eagles. I think if they trade him, the Eagles get like a $60 million cap hit or something. They get let it's, it's better for the Eagles to, to trade him, but it's not much better. I don't know. I don't think so, but it's, I, but it's not much better to trade him. If he stays on the bench, it's really bad for them. Yeah. If, um, but they still take a hit if they trade him and the, tr- the team that gets him, I know doesn't inherit such a bad, as bad of a contract as if he sits on the bench for the Eagles. So, the Patriots, yeah, maybe the Patriots. I don't know, man. I don't think I can't talk myself in a no. It just wouldn't work. Philip Rivers, you guys said you liked Philip Rivers. You know, like he's on the he's available again next next season. So I would go for him, maybe over a Wentz. You don't want that attention. So, Mike, let let me phrase it this way to you though, and you go into to your point that you were going to make is either way, the New England Patriots are going to have to pay a quarterback something that they have not done. For a very long time. In fact, you yeah. could argue that the last starting quarterback that they actually paid was Drew Bledsoe. No, no, that, that's crap. I mean, uh, to a Brady's contracts, he 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 was cash rich. Now the terms didn't look great for like the years, but they paid him a lot of money as a signing bonus. So they did. They do pay quarterbacks. But one thing that I'll say, Mitchell Trubisky, <laughs> you could you could literally just point to the fact that his coaches have sucked which is why he is not developed, right? I would rather take a flyer on a guy who's had terrible coaching and bring him over here to where you know that Josh and Bill can coach them up and see what happens as opposed to a guy like Carson Wentz who looks really good on paper. Like if you just look at his stats, you know, he has 113 touchdowns, 50 interceptions, 16,000 yards passing. I mean, a completion percentage of 62%. It's not bad. It's really not bad. The problem with him is, is he doesn't look like he wants to run the plays that are given to him in, in, in Philadelphia. That's just, that's just what I'm seeing. He doesn't want to run those plays. So he tries to do whatever he's, whatever he wants to do, uh, you know, in the pocket. And he's just not that good. Like he's not that talented enough to just call it on the fly. He's not a Brett Favre. Wouldn't you say that if he was in a system then that he can that he could subscribe to, that you would want him as your quarterback? Wouldn't you believe that this system should be the one that that, that he should that he should subscribe to because it did win a Super Bowl not not too long ago? I mean, yeah, but it wasn't him that did it though. At ten and one though, I mean they were they were on fire that year when he went down. 
my dream, it wasn't listed on, on our on our rundown. I, okay, I wish Billy O'Brien was still in Houston because I think Bill could fleece him for Deshaun Watson, and that is the dream. The city of Houston, the city of Houston would burn to the ground. Traded Hopkins. Bill O'Brien. Traded Hopkins. It doesn't. I mean, that, that's that's no. Yeah, that was dumb. He he traded Hopkins, and he's he was lucky to have his job as long as he did. If he traded Deshaun Watson, who is literally the franchise. Yeah, he's having a good year in a bad yeah, right. But like that's that's my dream is to is to hit, for him to be New England somehow. Uh, because a girl he... can dream, but I don't see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would love to tell you my dream too. But before we move, so basically to to finish up the conversation about the New England Patriots and their quarterback, which I think we've dragged on a little too far now, as we're only going ending week fourteen tonight. Uh, the last thing I will say on the New England Patriots is that if the Cleveland Browns can beat the Baltimore Ravens tonight. Playoff hopes for the New England Patriots are still alive. Can I just say one more thing, Joe? Can I just say one more thing about the quarterback conversation? I'm not. Con- I'm not convinced that Stidham's not the guy next year. The reason why I say that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't want. Not, him not because we want him, but yeah, because yeah, but it's because probably the, true. But why are they putting him in at quarterback when they're up forty-five to nothing? Like, why are they letting him throw? Why are they bringing him into up, to, to up forty-five to nothing? Yeah, yeah, against against LA, uh, the Chargers. He played a, a couple snaps in that one, and they they keep bringing him in to throw the, uh, to to try to run the offense. I think don't uh, Patriots fans like don't be surprised if Jared Stidham is the starting quarterback for our team next year. I thought he was going to be the starting quarterback this year, and I thought it was going to go about as well as it's going. Yeah, but you got to take a flyer on on Cam. You have to. You oh, have yeah, to no, take no, a flyer no, for sure. For sure, it wasn't a bad for call a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So as we finish our conversation about the New England Patriots, what we're going to do now is take a quick break and we're going to hear from uh, our wonderful EP, Craig D'Alessandro, on uh, our sponsor, BoxoCraft. So, Craig, take it away. Have you finished your Christmas shopping yet, Joe? Haven't even started. Oh, well, great. Well, I can start you off for our sponsor for this episode, which is BoxoCraft. BoxO is an arts and crafts focused kids subscription box. Boxo is a parent-run company that combines creativity and convenience in one monthly package delivered right to your door. Boxo's premier box, Boxo Holidays, contains four separate art projects to get you and your family into the holiday spirit. Whether it's Halloween, Hanukkah, or Easter, they've got you covered with holiday fun. Boxo, we can't wait to see you create. Check out BoxoCrafts.com and exclusively to our listeners, enter the promo code MTP for 15% off your first order. That's B-O-X-O Crafts.com, promo code MTP. Back to Joe. Thanks, Craig. That was great. Thank you for reminding me that I haven't started my Christmas shopping yet. It's, it's literally like two weeks away from Christmas, so got to get that Turbo Man doll. I don't have kids, but I do order the Boxo Crafts um, just for the glue <laughs> that comes in it because uh, they won't sell me glue at my local hardware store anymore for reasons I can't quite get into. <laughs> so I, I also endorse Boxo Crafts. Did you enter uh, promo code MTP at checkout? I get my discount. Yeah, I mean I deserve yeah. it. I feel you know. when you go through as much glue as I do, you're gonna need some. You're gonna need some fifteen percent off here and there. Okay, let me tell you. Well, welcome back to Missing the Point. <laughs> Just to reset, I'm Joe Malkin, joined by Mike Marcangelo and uh, the glue huffer, Dave Clark, out there in L.A., and Craig D'Alessandro, and thank you uh, for making it this far with us tonight. Now that we've ended our Patriots talk, we're going to stick in the AFC East because we have another conversation to have, which we mentioned at the top of the show, which was that the New England Patriots 
will not be AFC East champions this year. And the Buffalo Bills are one game away from winning the AFC East title for the first time since 1995. And Basically, what the Bills need are the Patriots to beat the Dolphins. And if the Patriots beat the Dolphins, regardless of what the Bills do, they, they win the AFC East. So the Bills with Jared Allen as their quarterback, uh, sorry, Josh Allen as their quarterback. Jared Allen is the old uh, defensive lineman from the Minnesota Vikings. Sure he was, was one of my favorites. Uh, but they have Josh Allen at quarterback. And uh, we've, we're going to have play a fun little game here where we talk about what was going on in the world the last time the Buffalo Bills won the AFC East title. I can tell you that I was seven years old in the second grade, probably sniffing glue. But Mike, what else was going on in 1995? Well, thanks, Joe. Uh, Back in 1995, the last time the Buffalo Bills won the AFC East, let's see, the average cost of a new house was $113,000. That's depressing. (laughs) Gas was $1.09 per gallon. Michael Jordan returns to the NBA after his first retirement. I don't know if you guys know this one. OJ turns out he was found innocent in 1995 as well. He was found not guilty. I think we should be yeah. clear about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I don't think innocence was uh, up for you. are probably right. Post Malone was born. Who was born? Post Malone was born. Oh, so that was the day we went from pre Malone to post Malone. That's great. That's right. That's right. Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if you guys know him. He was also born in 1995. Wow. Uh, Selena was killed by her manager. And there's another thing that happened in uh, in in 1995. A couple of the, a couple of the movies. Right. What would you say if I were to? Okay. What was the best movie of 1995? What year did Liar Liar come out? 1997. Yeah, which was awesome. Toy Story. You're close. Toy Story was uh, that, the best. I want to say se- I want to say Seven came out in 1995. Seven? What, what, what were you doing watching Seven in 1995, yeah, Craig? That I had a weird childhood. That explains quite a bit. <laughs> Batman Forever. Batman, Batman Forever, Forever was the best. Is I mean, the highest grossing movie of 1995 with 340 million dollars. By the way, that is the worst Batman movie I've ever seen. Is that the one was that the Michael right? Keaton one? No. no, it was the Jim Carrey, Tommy Lee Jones, oh. uh, Val Kilmer one. Yeah, that's right. I think yeah, I think Kilmer Nicole Kidman was in that one too. She was yeah, she was the best part of it. Was that Uma Thurman? Not Uma Thurman yet. Not that was that Boys was the next one with like Mister Freeze. That's and the worst one. That's the worst one. That's worse. There's been some really the bad Batman, Batman movies. movies. I, I know that that's what we're doing, but. The best album of the year, the last time the uh, the Buffalo Bills made or won the AFC East, was Cracked Rear View by Hootie and the Blowfish, personal favorite, selling time. 7 million copies in 1995. When did Jagged Little Pill come out? 1994. Okay, because if if you can't say that that was better, because Jagged Little Pill is the pet sounds it just of the sold 90s. More. It just sold more. I'm just saying, well, it's a different year, so that's fine. It's a different year. I'm, I'm just, not saying. I'm just reading. I'm just reading copy to you. I'm not saying anything. I'm just. I'm just letting. You I'm know just taking this opportunity to get and get fired up about the fact that I truly, in my heart of hearts, believe that Jagged Little Pills, the pet sounds of the 1990s, Lance Morissette, not appreciated enough in our current time. And I know that I'm a not wrong, team, but yeah, she. I mean, that was, she kind of flamed out after that one record, though. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's one more amazing piece of music than either of us have ever done. Okay, and yeah. you know, she changed <laughs> a lot of lives. So well, yeah. one is better than none. I had this conversation songs. with a lot of people about Sarah Fuller, the kicker for Vanderbilt, and how she made two extra points this weekend. And people look, like, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm like, well, how many extra points have you made in the SEC? Yeah, good point. Yeah. Good point. Zero. 
couple solemn uh, pieces of of news of noteworthy news here is Dean Martin died in 1995. No, Mickey Mantle also. Mickey Mantle also died in 1995, and I think the worst piece um, is Windows 95 was released, and I think that was the just the worst operating system I've ever ever got. Funny, with. I thought you said the word. I thought you were going to say the worst piece was the Mantle piece. No, oh, oh. no. Uh. So it's 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 been a while since the Bills have won. The world has absolutely changed. Let me tell you something. If gas was a dollar nine right now we'd all be in a much better place. I guess what you're saying is in 1995, their world wasn't a dystopian nightmare. <laughs> and it now is. <laughs> so Not yet. That was, that's the it, biggest difference I've noted from your list. Yep. Yeah. Bill I mean, Clinton was, was the, I almost said Bill Clinton was quarterback, but Bill, Bill Clinton was president. Uh, well, he was kind of the quarterback. He was, in a way. He was president. Uh, and I think, you know, for, for us, what, what you've seen, like the Patriots then, because uh, I know that you asked, where were we? Well, I was seven. I was watching Drew Bledsoe not throw to Terry Glenn yet because he wasn't there. I think the Patriots uh, didn't. They, I think they made the wild card that year. They did not make uh, a, a run into the into the postseason, a deeper run like they, did, like they did the next year. So much has changed. Jim Kelly's gone. I mean, I feel like Rick Pitino saying like, you know, Jim Kelly's not walking through that door. But the Bills right now, uh, and Josh Allen, I'm not a Josh Allen guy. I don't know about either of you. I would still take Mitchell Trubisky over Josh Allen in the New England Patriots as the quarterback number one. I would take I would take Mitch Trubisky as the New England quarterback over Josh Allen, but Josh Allen will still be the better quarterback in the the best quarterback in the AFC East if Mitch Trubisky was on the New England Patriots. Why why don't you guys like how do you hate Josh Allen this much? Is it be are you just you have your New England goggles on and he's playing well for the no. Bills? Is that what's going on? No. He's like clearly Josh Allen than is Mitch like Josh Allen is like the Rick Vaughn of the NFL, right? To, like to drop Cutler. our Major League reference. No, because How's he's that? not Jay Cutler, because Jay Cutler wasn't a good quarterback. Josh Allen is Josh Allen is a good quarterback who doesn't know where the ball is going when he throws it, and he makes stupid decisions when he throws the ball downfield. That sounds like Jay Cutler. Mm, but Jay Cutler made a lot of decisions pre-snap. You know who actually reminds me of is uh, Donovan McNabb. And now bear with me on this. McNabb okay. had the exact same trait as Allen, and I'll, and it's going to be exactly how it works out for Allen, which is if he rolls out to the right, he throws it across his body, across the field to the left, which is, as all seasoned Madden players know, is a guaranteed interception. He's yeah. a freak athlete for especially, and I, I noticed him watching him last night um, against the Steelers. He's bigger than I like. I, like whenever I see him, I'm always like, oh, he's bigger yeah, he's than built I built like a linebacker. He's, big, he's a big boy. Um. And I, I always get like shocked by that when I see him, but he does that. And that's just going to go badly for you a lot of times in a row eventually, you know, when, yeah. when you, when you roll out and just like heave it up in the air and the commentators are like, and the crazy thing is he's throwing it across his body. And it's like, yeah, okay. It worked out that time, but it's, just, it's like, there's a lot of bad commentators doing NFL games and the Monday night crew is one of those crews, but there's a lot of bad commentators. So I, I, I stopped listening to a lot of them. Love Tony Romo though. Uh, Steve Levy, um, uh, is it Reddick that's on that? And Bob yeah, Greasy yep. or Brian Sunday Greasy? the best one though. Cause Collinsworth yeah. is the gold standard for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I, I, I mean, bring back Mike Tirico. I love Mike Tirico. He was okay. He's phenomenal. Like, I, I guess, hold on for me. Like, uh, why do you guys like Josh Allen? Like, okay. I don't like him. I, I mean, I like him cause he's on my fantasy team and his fantasy numbers are crazy good. And you ripped him for for drafting Josh. And you Allen. made fun of me so for drafting that's why, him. Yeah, so that's why he likes him so much. You put me in the camp. You put me in the Josh Allen camp. Really, 
I, I like him because he, he continues to get better. And, and I mean, he's, he's winning football games and not by himself. I mean, they've obviously put a lot of pieces around him and that defense is pretty good, but to have Singletary in the backfield on digs too, like he just makes well, things happen for you. And he's loving being there because he hated it in Minnesota at the end. I mean, he, he loves being in, in Buffalo because that's exactly what he does is he throws him the ball. But the difference between uh, McDermott and a lot of other coaches in the NFL is that, you know, we use the Browns as an example where OBJ leaves and that team get or st- isn't playing and that team gets better because he just cried and bitched and moaned until they forced him to football, where Stephon Diggs gets to Buffalo, kind of quiet. They kind of tailor the offense between Allen and Diggs and they make it work. So nobody's getting upset. He's also not forcing the football. So I, I, it works in Buffalo, and I hate to say it, but the coaching has been so much better than, than what it was uh, prior to McDermott getting to town. And, Mike, we're going to switch gears here real quick, but it is interesting. It is interesting that uh, um, you mentioned Hootie and the Blowfish because, you know, Hootie, big Dolphins fan, is Darius Drucker. Yep, and and who do the Bills need to lose this weekend for them to win the division? And Hootie said it best: his girlfriend left when the Dolphins made him cry, and he only wanted to be with you. So we're moving on. So as we move on from the Buffalo Bills talk, the AFC East and the Patriots, we're going to move into the rest of the NFL. And I have a few questions for you guys that I I really want to 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 get out here. And there's really one that's just been, it's really been digging at me since they won yesterday and uh mike we we have you have some explaining to do uh about your six and ten packers pick oh, in the starting pre-season. here Great. yeah we're gonna start here because I, I just we've been oh, in man, the afc too long yeah so sure did so in the preseason we we have a, a a game a prediction game going where myself um rayshon and and craig got to predict the uh afc standings and Mike, Dave, and Bobby uh, got to predict the NFC standings, and now I'm starting to understand why Bobby tried to jump ship, because Mike predicted that the the Detroit Lions, I'll let you say your piece in just a moment, where the Detroit Lions were going to win the NFC North, and that Aaron Rodgers was done, is what Mike said in the preseason, and that the Packers were going to finish 6-10 and 10 in fourth place in the basement of the NFC North, and guess what they did, Mike? Mike, what did they do yesterday? I think that they clinched the NFC North yesterday. They, they clinched the NFC North. So, what do you have to say for yourself? Okay, well, let's 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 not beat a dead horse. I said three weeks into it, I was wrong about him. I, he, <laughs> he just he just has like he has a different look in his eye this year. I think it's the first year you know since he's been in the league since he's been the starting quarterback that he's that they've drafted someone to challenge him. Right? He this is a bit of like the Brady and Jimmy G thing, but I'll, I'm going to stick with Aaron Rodgers. Here's what I know about Aaron Rodgers, man: is he's completing his passes at like a 70 percent clip. He already almost has four hundred or four thousand passing yards, thirty-nine touchdowns, four picks. I mean, he's just literally dropping it on my forehead at this point. For just just because I made an, I made an outlandish pick for content purposes. What I will say is, I thought the NFC North was going to be a tougher division for the winner to win. I thought it was going to be a nine and seven type of division to win. The, Green Bay is running away with it. I think if Aaron Rodgers continues on this level he just probably added another four or five years to his career but yes i was wrong 
it was a bad pick. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be a weatherman growing up. They're only right 25% of the time and they don't get called in their shit at all. But here all year long, I've been called on it. So yes, I was wrong, Joe. I hope you're happy. I was on your team. I endorsed you it. You co-signed it. I co-signed it because, I mean, to be fair, I was just on board <laughs> with the idea that Aaron Rodgers might have a shitty season. Yeah. Uh, I got excited when you said that because I didn't think anyone was going to think that. And then I was immediately accepting of the news because it's never happened before. <laughs> so I was like, great. Aaron Rodgers is going to have a shitty season. Let's do it. I'm fucking on board. I'm on the bandwagon. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's had a good year. Uh, let's like, let's just relax. Okay. He's still won one Super Bowl. Like, I'm still pretty sure he's going to flame out in the playoffs. Um, I understand his like numbers have been good, but I feel like the way the, that the guy is, he the year he won the Super Bowl, he almost let Jay Cutler beat him in, in the NFC Championship game. He was like this close to screwing that up too. So I don't know if he's a winner like that. I think he'll turn around and be like, yep, see, see what I did? See my regular season? Check that out. Shouldn't have doubted me, Mike. And then he'll just, it, you know, he'll just move on. And and I don't think he's going to do anything. I also think that um, the whole like, oh, they actually signed a quarterback and like that kind of fired up. Like that's a little bit of a narrative, I think, manufactured by people like us who <laughs> follow sports and talk about sports, um, you know, on a, on a professional level. Uh, I think that his season isn't that much better than his previous years. Uh, oh, oh going it is. Into, yeah, but, but hear me out. Like going into – the season, the last season that Tom Brady won a Super Bowl, uh, the narrative was, is Aaron Rodgers really the GOAT, though, even though he'd only won one because uh, of his statistical regular season years was always the argument. So he always does good in the regular season. I'm not entirely sure that means anything. Uh, I think he gets a lot less shit for only doing good in the regular season and not winning a Super Bowl than Peyton Manning did. Uh, Peyton Manning used to get beat with that stick a hell of a lot more than Aaron Rodgers does, um, even after he won his first in 2006. So, you know, he's the golden boy, whatever. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. He'll fall off a cliff eventually. I think it was, I've, I stand by your prediction, Mike. I stand by it. Yeah, I mean, so do I. It didn't age well. I get it. But, I mean, his, his year this year, he's already thrown 13 more TD passes this year than he did all last year. I mean, and I think, like, I think we can all say if, if our employer hired someone that was a direct competitor to us, we would up our game at work to make sure that we had our, uh, that we still had our job. I mean, as long as you're not in a union, if you are, then you're fine. You don't really have to try much harder, <laughs> but in the NFL, like they do, right. Because they can, they, they can just uh, move on for, for the lesser, uh, you know, the, the, the quarterback that costs them, you know, lesser amount, but his season this year is historic in the fact that he's thrown 39 touchdowns to four picks. And he's been in the league for, what, 15 years now. I think he is a bit of a choke artist. I think he is a bit of a, you love this show, a paper champion. Because the guy doesn't really win anything. He didn't once. How many Super Bowls has he been to? Is it just the one? Yeah, he's never lost since he won. I don't think. Yeah, so that's it. He's I'm been the one. Yeah. That's one yeah, way to look at it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he's undefeated in Super Bowls. I guess that, that that's true. But he's only been there once. I mean, if he gets to four and only wins two like Peyton did, that's fine. That's fine. Sure. At least you get. I'd rather you give your team a chance to get to the Super Bowl and and win, especially if you're as good as everyone says you are. You know what I mean? Like, just the amount of Aaron Rodgers filleting that goes on every offseason about how amazing he is. I like, and then it's and then he only wins one, but nobody seems to give him any shit for it. You know what I mean? He still just gets to walk around and do fucking State Farm commercials, just completely free of any criticism. So like, you know, whatever, Aaron Rodgers. But I think it's because. He historically, he, I mean, he's only had like their offensive scheme has never been like 
great, right? It's like you, you have Devontae Adams before that you had Jordy Nelson. They just run straight down the field and Aaron Rodgers can just flick his wrist and throw the ball 40 yards. That's pretty much it. If you can something we it, wish a quarterback here would do more of, and we loved it when Randy Moss was here, and that's all Tom did. Didn't win a Super Bowl though. Same thing. I mean, I mean, right? Like you didn't win a Super sure. Bowl with, with Randy Moss. That's not a winning formula. I think uh, it's easy. Like if you have a really good secondary, you can shut down Aaron Rodgers. And I think in the in in the postseason, that's what happens. The 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 teams that they play are just that much better. And he can't do what he does in the regular season. Listen, I think he'll go down as a top 10 all-time quarterback. He doesn't crack my top five. Me neither. Um, and, I mean, now if he goes on a run these next four years and wins two Super Bowls, then we're talking. But until that happens. It's a little late. In the, even though he's having a great his all-time statistical year, I still think it's a little late in the party, Aaron Rodgers-wise, to be, yeah. to be doing that. And, I mean, I hate to say this about my own division, but like it's not as if the NFC North is – stacked with competition uh, but ne- neither was neither was the afc east when the patriots sure but then you can either. you can widen out to the entire nfc i think that he has a pretty easy walk to the super bowl this year you know i think that yeah especially with an injured drew Brees now uh yeah. i know he's gonna be back by christmas time but what's he gonna look like does he, is he gonna need to get like bed, bed back in obviously that the saints lost after winning like eight straight with drew healthy so it's like or nine straight whatever it was um you know I don't know. I feel like this is his best chance to get to a Super Bowl. If not win it, could, whoever comes out of the AFC is going to win this year. So it doesn't really make a difference. But I think, you know, I think he's got a pretty, he's had a few years where he's had a pretty easy path in the NFC to like get there. And he just like hasn't done it. I'm not saying every year, but the AFC is as far as I can remember, because the Patriots were always there, the Steelers, now the Chiefs have emerged. You know, these, these teams are, just scared like you know what i mean like it's just like they're yeah. just so much scarier on that side and it, like you know you always end up having to go through the ravens or someone and they're always just like meaty and awful to play but like aaron Rodgers has been over here just dominating the nfc the entire time and what's he got to show for it once your ball pff, that's not the standard anymore against uh against your fiance's pittsburgh steelers and i would say like for me, you know, even when he, even when that team went fifteen and one, and he was fourteen and one as a starter that year, they lost in their first game of the postseason because people aren't afraid of him in January because right. he does because he just doesn't have you know to quote Bobby, even though he has a Lombardi Trophy and a Super Bowl ring, he does not have championship DNA. Right. He and he relies too much on on this is a this this is a weird thing to say. I don't think he's coachable. If that makes sense, I don't think you build. I, I don't think you can really scheme Aaron Rodgers, right? He's just a guy that can just drop back and throw the ball forty yards. Totally agree with you. And he's flexible in the in the in the postseason too, and just not flexible. You can get him into a into a rhythm of like screwing himself up. Like I said, he tried to he tried his best to screw up the one Super Bowl he did actually win it. He didn't <laughs> silence any doubters winning that Super Bowl. It like, just wasn't the most convincing Super Bowl win I've ever seen. You know what I mean? It wasn't. Yeah. There wasn't like a uh, uh, an Eli Manning turning it on in the postseason thing, or like Joe Flacco. Like, how is he this postseason quarterback? There was no like narrative there to support that. There was no like, here comes Tom Brady in January. Like, watch out, everybody, or or any of those kind of things. It was just sort of like, oh yeah, I guess Aaron Rodgers was like the best guy that year. Okay, moving on. You know, what yeah. I mean, it wasn't like and nothing crazy happened. So. No, and, and I think like the reason why like that Super Bowl stands out to me is because it was so soon after. Brett, that, that, that they moved on from Brett Favre, right? Like if that if that had happened in another ten years, it would have been like, yeah, it took you long enough. But it happened so quickly. You guys, were, we were all like, you know what? 
maybe this, maybe he is the guy. Maybe he will do more than Brett Favre did. Brett Favre brought them to what? Two Super Bowls, one mm-hmm. one. Aaron Rodgers only brought them to one. Now, yes, he's one and zero, but you, you need to get to the dance a little bit more often, in my opinion. So that that's part of the the conversation uh, that I would bring up uh, about Aaron Rodgers is that while he he is almost a Peyton Manning kind of quarterback right like Whoa, he he has like manning manning no no manning uh, Manning, like manning. yeah you like that Peyton manning quarterback yeah, yeah. Uh, so th- that's trademarked by joe malkin you can make out checks to <laughs> it has to go into the, the, the point, point trade trademark i'm sorry we have to you know, i'm, I'm, to I'm get good to with steal that. all your ideas that's that's, that's the agreement that's the in. way it goes when you're part of a corporation right <laughs> hey mike isn't it kind of ironic how you mentioned you know if you're part of a if you're part of a, a union you're you're all right but all nfl players are part of a union so that's that's a little ironic i did say but i i, I did correct myself and said accept the nfl because they, they 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 will cut ties with the most expensive player to keep the uh, the cheaper player. I not say to that. not to get into a debate about if unions work or not, but unions can can still cover jobs that are by their very nature meritocracies, and then the all union drawbacks that people level at unions then recede because you still have to be the best at your job, and you can't right. post. So, like in the film business, for instance, everybody's in a union, but all jobs are freelance. So if you suck you still just don't get hired onto the next job and there's no right. ramifications there. So, you know, there can still be merit. They can still be meritocracies not to drag us down the road of, uh, you know, Pinkertons versus unions and like union <laughs> politics, but uh, cause we are a sports podcast, but I like to say that when it comes up, it's all I'm saying. Well, yeah. welcome to union Jack with Dave Clark. Oh, see what never, I did there? never, never, <laughs> never, never. <laughs> that would never happen in a million years. So, so back to the conversation at hand, the, the NFL and the NFC, and we're going to stay on that side because Dave, I agree with you that Aaron Rodgers could walk right into the Super Bowl this year, but I would say that his, that you don't underplay the Rams. And I'm not just saying that because of how the Patriots played against them last week. I really do think that defense is a top five defense in the NFL. And I think that secondary is very good. And I think that team could be the one that knocks Aaron Rodgers out and makes him into exactly what you guys just said. Now on the other side of it, you mentioned the new Orleans saints and how they won nine in a row. They won a lot of those games at the back end with Taysom Hill, three games with Taysom Hill. So they won a lot with Taysom Hill who came in and is looking like a quarterback. It does really look like he can be the next guy after Drew Brees is gone. However, he and the Saints lost to the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday. They were down 17 to nothing at one point in that game. Uh, Jalen Hurts looked like a good NFL quarterback. He de- he's definitely better than Carson Wentz, and I think we can all agree on that after seeing him in five quarters of action. But the question I have for you guys is the, more about the Saints. Is it just a, a fluke loss for them? And you mentioned Drew Brees coming back. He could he could be back next weekend, maybe uh, week 16. They haven't really come up with that. I think it's all going to depend on, on what happens in the um, NFC playoff race because right now they've, clin- they've clinched the NFC South, uh, have the New Orleans Saints. Have they not? Yeah, I mean they own the tiebreaker and they are, they only have three losses. I mean, so they they can only get what uh I guess if Tampa Bay wins out. And, Tampa would have to they, win out and the Saints would have to lose yeah. out. So yeah. they can still lose the the division to the Tom Tampa Bay Buccaneers as uh Bobby likes to say. They don't look good either. Though, you know, and no, they don't. Have like beat me in the playoffs. Like a big like beat me in the playoffs sign t-shirt, you know. <laughs> it's like yes. I just feel like they don't like you can't have a quarter, 
quarterback committee. I know it's not like a, a quarterback committee in the truest sense. Cause they're not like going back bef- between healthy starters, but it's, you can't really have insecurity at the quarterback position going into a legitimate playoff run. And if this is a skid, if they lose more than just this one game, that's the kiss of death for any playoff bound team. When you can't get momentum, when you lose momentum going in like the Steelers, you know, like that's it, this is the, their losses are coming at the worst possible time because their momentum now is, is starting to skid a little bit as opposed to build, you know, um, the two times the Giants won the Super Bowl, like they, they, sorry to bring that up, but that's, that's twice, dude, like this, is like the Bobby and Cowboys gag, they right gained now. momentum as they, as they went into the playoffs and that momentum carried them through to their wins, you know, so they, they were getting going in the right direction. And I think that. I think the Saints have all the hallmarks of one of those teams that are going in the wrong direction. Yeah, and also, like, th- is anyone here afraid of the Saints in the playoffs? No, I mean, that's what are, I mean. Are, are, but that's aren't what I they mean. the exact same as the Green Bay Packers? Yes. Like, when you really think about 100%. it, hundred percent. Like, like they had this great coach, right. And one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and he's been to what was it? Is it still just the one Super Bowl? No. Yeah. Is who did who did they lose to? Because I know he beat the the Colts. I don't know oh, who I lost. I think Drew Brees has two Super Bowl wins. He does. not He, he only has one. He only, only has one. one. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, came but he's still like... better than Aaron Rodgers, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so here's the conversation, though, right? Because we talk about we talk about Aaron Rodgers as as the quarterback, right? We don't necessarily talk about the team. I think Matt Lafleur is doing a great job up there in Green Bay with that team, with what he has at hand yeah. currently. We talk about Aaron Rodgers and how he is a good regular season quarterback. That's what I meant by saying he was Peyton Manning is that he he succeeds in the first 16 games and then he gets to the playoffs and he only gets to a Super Bowl once and, and wins it, sure. But what else has he done? So then Dave says, you know, no secondary is going to un- unseat him in the NFC. It's an easy path. I disagree with the Rams. But then you say we switch gears and talk about the Saints. And you say, well, you're really afraid of the Saints. And then you say, well, they're kind of just the Packers. And then I start thinking about it, too. I'm like, well, the Rams don't really scare me in that situation either. Yeah, I mean, like I said, whoever comes out of the AFC is the world champion. At least with the Rams, that's a young head coach, young quarterback that have made a deep playoff run and gone to a Super Bowl, right? So Drew Brees hasn't been to one in, what, 12 years? 10 years? Is that it? Yeah, 10. So, and and they've all, he's had the exact same, I mean, he's had as much consistency as you could possibly have in the NFL over the last 12 years, uh, 15 years even. And he just can't, he, I mean, he got there once and I would say like, he wasn't even like the, maybe I'm wrong. You can go back and fact check this, but Peyton Manning didn't, didn't did he throw a pick six in that game? Didn't they return a, 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 a kick return for a touchdown too? Like was Drew Brees the star of that game? No, I mean, no, I, I think, uh, I think they always, they had a really good special teams that year. I think you're yeah. right about that, but I think he might've been the Super Bowl MVP though. So I think, I think probably was the star of the game, yeah, uh, but I do remember the, I do take your point. I remember the flashy special teams plays um, and like a lot of, you know, like a, a lot of big things that happened in that Saints run didn't involve Drew Brees, but I, I'm sure yeah. if we looked at the numbers, which I don't have them in front of me, but I'm sure it'd be like, oh yeah, no, Drew Brees had an amazing statistical year because he always has an amazing statistical always. year, right? I mean, those are 5,000 yards like every year. Yeah. And he's like, what, four foot 10? Like he's so li- <laughs> <laughs> roughly, I think he's a little bit taller than, than Doug Flutie. So I think he's 4'11". You know, and I, if I was the Chargers, I'd still regret the decision I made, you know, choosing Philip Rivers over him. I think they, you know what I mean? Like, because that was yeah. the narrative of early, very, very early Drew Brees, Philip Rivers careers. 
And I think this Chargers still fucked up, even though he only went and got one with the Saints. Like the Chargers obviously just by the numbers fucked up. So I mean, at least he got to one, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm completely contradicting myself now because I'm like, Drew Brees won a Super Bowl, okay? And then, like, with the Aaron <laughs> Rodgers thing, it's like, well, he only got one. Fuck him. So, like, I don't know. I'm obviously biased against Aaron Rodgers because he, he's a Packer. Just to fact check you on that one, as you mentioned, we, we should do that. We will do that. Drew Brees was the MVP of that Super Bowl right. against yeah. the Colts, uh, like which I said, was ha, Super Bowl 44. Nice so yeah. then, also, you you were right about the pick six. Okay. But it, it was it was Tracy Porter with three minutes and 12 seconds left in the game. So they were already up 24 to 17. Now that drive could have changed, right? So Tracy Porter's interception for a touchdown did ice the game uh, for the new Orleans saints. And drew Brees went 32 of 39 for 288 and two touchdowns with a quarterback rating of 114.5. I mean, those are amazing Super Bowl numbers. (laughs) Yeah. And and he also, he earned his stripes uh, that postseason when, uh, and when they beat the the Vikings and Brett Favre in the the NFC championship. Joe, while we're talking about it, can we see, can we actually just compare Aaron Rodgers' Super Bowl numbers to Drew Brees' Super Bowl numbers because I feel like my gut is telling me that Aaron Rodgers' Super Bowl was not anything to write home about. Well, he was. Well, he was Super Bowl MVP. Remember, he did. He had, quarterback's he, always he had, a Super Bowl MVP. I mean, that's why I the guess WWE Drew Brees. Championship belt. Uh, oh yeah, that's why you remember that. The uh, yeah, so it was actually the next year. Yep. Oh, that was, was the next year. Back, they were back to back. Those two guys. Yeah, back to back. The Packers won 31 25 over the Pittsburgh Steelers, as Mike mentioned. And the Super Bowl MVP in that game was Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers in that game was 24 of 39 for 304 and three touchdowns with a 111.5 quarterback rating. So, so Drew Brees had better, right? Drew Brees he, had, he had more completions. Same amount of passes. He had less. But those less Drew Brees, that touchdowns. Drew Brees completion percentage is so tight, you know. Some would argue that Aaron Rodgers was responsible for 21 points uh, of his team's. Who did the Saints uh, beat that year? The Steelers. Indianapolis. Oh, sorry. No. Yeah. Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with, wait, with who was the quarterback? A Peyton Manning. He beat Peyton whoa, Manning whoa, whoa, in a Super what, Bowl. What are you asking? Okay. Oh, you're asking Joe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He beat Peyton Manning in a Super Bowl. He beat Peyton Manning in a Super Bowl. He beat Peyton Manning in Super Bowl. That's that's better than that's what that's what it is. That's better than Aaron Rodgers because he didn't beat anybody. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers beat Roethlisberger, who had already won two. Yeah, but he's not as good as Peyton Manning. Not even close. But Peyton Manning only won one. Wait, are we going to have a Peyton Manning versus Ben Roethlisberger argument? You really think Ben Roethlisberger is better than fucking Peyton Manning? Mike, are you your mind? Mike, yeah. If we ever had that conversation, I'm ready. We, I'm ready. I mean, no, Ben Roethlisberger is will never be able to even hold the jock of Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is a better quarterback. Peyton Manning it's is a weird top that he keeps asking about this jock though. That's the yeah. story. <laughs> you know what? We, Not that he can't do it or he won't let him, but it's weird that he keeps following him around. Peyton, can I hold your jock? That's the strange yeah. part, I think. Yeah, he's like, wait, don't don't you play for Pittsburgh? Why are you in Indianapolis? Like, yeah, stop following. Just, I mean, I just think that that Roethlisberger was a. At that point in time, was a no. It's fair. It's it fair. A, I mean, honestly, obviously, a, I'm biased. They they both accomplished essentially the same thing in the almost an identical way. I'm wrong. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> in, in almost an identical way, but one of them is a better human being than the other. So let's uh, yes. move on to a couple more uh, of the questions that we we have at hand here, and let's move into the AFC um, because you know I, I we mentioned the buffalo bills and how they're pretty much on the road to win the afc east for the first time in 25 years 
Uh, yesterday, we saw the Pittsburgh Steelers lose their second game in a row. Um, we're currently seeing uh, it's halftime between the Bills and the Ravens, and that is a tie ball game at 14 apiece. There are three weeks left after this week. If the Cleveland Browns win tonight, they are one game behind the previously undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. Are the Steelers still as good as we thought they were? And will the Cleveland Browns win the AFC North? No, they will not win the AFC North. It's the Cleveland Browns. Don't forget. Two, yeah, I mean, come on. Get, I'm not making excuses for them, but the Steelers have had so many key injuries at one position. Like, all their linebackers You're so are biased. I'm not biased. It's they, they. First of all, they won 11 games, right? They were 11-0. What were they? Ten and zero or eleven and zero? Eleven and eleven. They were eleven and zero. They lose one game to, which is a weird game to a, a, apparently a resurgent Washington football team. Like they're playing okay. Well, they and have they the same quarterback well issue that that your team has. They can't figure out who the sure. hell they want to play a quarterback. Sure, and you know it was an upset for sure, but like they played pretty well. You know, it wasn't like the Steelers went in there and stunk the place up. We just talked about how the Bills, you know, are winning games and like going and making stuff happen, and. You know, momentum-wise, it's not great for them. And I'm not biased, by the way. I'm not a Steelers fan. But you married I'm them, living right? with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sure, uh, I want her to be happy, but not. <laughs> <laughs> the truth shall set you free, Dave Clark. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, and I, I, I mean this because I think the Patriots experienced it two, was it last year or two years? Yeah, I think, or two years ago. Um the Pittsburgh Steelers were never that good this year. And oh, there's two reasons. That's not fair. The reason you can only beat the teams you play. That's true. But they had the second easiest schedule in terms of strength of schedules in the league coming into this year, only behind the Baltimore Ravens. Now, what happened again, this happens to the Patriots too. They were eight. No, right. And they ran into the buzzsaw of the Baltimore Ravens that year. And it completely threw away their season. Like they were never an eight. No team. They were never that good. The same thing happened to the bears of five and one. Yeah. Well, I think Pittsburgh is a, is a, is a 12 win team, which is really, really good, but they were never a 15 win. They were never going to win 15 games in the regular season this year. In my opinion, I just, there, there are a lot of flaws that they have. And I think that well, what are their flaws? Their, their quarterbacks kind of old and, they all their linebackers are hurt, including their best defensive player. Like that's you got to give you have to give some. And and they're playing a ton of games because all their all their games are getting screwed up because all the other all other teams are getting COVID. Because the Ravens, them, right? Yeah, they're they're following their protocols. They're not their players aren't getting well, sick James at the level Conner that. Got COVID. Sure, I'm not okay. But some people are going to get it, but the entire Ravens team got it. You know, and the Ravens didn't get punished for that. The Steelers did. By you know them throwing that game up and around, they, they lost a primetime game because of it, or two maybe. They had to play on Wednesday afternoon, and all their linebackers are hurt. I can't. This is like I can't stress that enough. So, but so, but as much as much of a, a, a and, and I know that the teams are different and, and the records are very different right now. But as much a, of a Steelers apologist as you're being right now, I mean, wouldn't you? Well, you are. You seems, are. You're, you're how saying, can you not be an apologist for a team that's only lost two games? So, but then, but then you get on us when we are, turn into apologists for our team who had all your these team guys has, get has lost eight games, seven, 
seven. The Steelers have lost seven <laughs> games. The Steelers have lost two games. And the thinking that thinking that a team that has lost two games is good is a lot different than thinking that a team that's lost. Well, just seven remember, games. Dave, you did say that the Washington football team was going to finish at like one and eleven or one and fifteen this year, and and they and they, they were the first team to beat. Uh, so Pittsburgh. your argument against my argument is you've been wrong in life. <laughs> that's that's yes, I've been wrong in my entire sports commentary life. They had the second easiest schedule this year, and they've lost their most two that's recent not their games. Fault. They, you know they don't make the no, you, you, you play the schedule. You play the schedule that you that you're handed, right? Just we, get off. The, just get off the Steelers soapbox that you're on for just ten <laughs> seconds, and remember the rest. <laughs> Are, they're a 12 win team, which means they're going to be a top two or three team in the AFC. 12 and 4 they is a good just, record. What's the. You and I are agreeing. They were just never. They were just never that uh, happens a lot. Can I just point out that that happens a lot between yeah. the six of us? Is that usually we're agreeing, we're just saying it different ways, and then we start yelling at each other like we're doing right, right I now? Mean, I think usually we're agreeing is a stretch, but <laughs> there are some times that we are agreeing when yelling at each other is, is the is the better way to phrase that. Mike, um, you're but, a good man. I agree with you, but go fuck yourself. Okay, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but the, so the two are going to go twelve and four. I, I do think they're going to lose two more games. I think that that is that is what, just going to happen. Remaining team. Let me look up who their remaining teams are. Their, their remaining schedule is Cincinnati, Indianapolis, and Cleveland. I think Indy and Cleveland are losses for for the Steelers. I, I think they could be. I think I think Cleveland is. I th- I mean that's the last game of the season, right, for them. So yes. I think that's where Cleveland can can clinch the division. I mean I, I think that that's kind of coming down to be uh, to to being one of the most poetic games of the NFL season, right there between the Steelers and the Browns. If you're in Las Vegas. Would you put your own hard-earned money on the Cleveland Browns ever to do anything, especially beat their division rival Pittsburgh Steelers? Are you crazy? Would you like to make a bet with me right now about that? I'll, I'll, let, that I'll let. Well, I'll let you know. Game? I'll let you know after whatever happens with this game against the Ravens. If I want to make a bet, I mean, I, I feel like I'm getting yeah. backed into a corner here to make a bet with with, with DK. And bet I really me twenty dollars. Bet me twenty dollars. I take okay. take the Browns against the Steelers. I'll take the Steelers. Bet me twenty bucks. I take them right Great. now. Well, awesome. to to win to wait. Hang on to win the division or to beat them on on January. No game 3rd. night. On like who's going to win that game? Anyone who wants and to where, put their where money. Where is it? it? It's at Cleveland. Oh, I'll take Cleveland in that. I can't bet both of you. Oh, it's that's too rich. All right, for fine, money. Mike. I'll, I'll, throw, throw, in, Mike, I'll, I'll throw, throw in each. ten. You throw in ten. I'll bet you ten Perfect. bucks each. Okay, okay. great. Yeah. All right, sorry, yeah. units. They're not dollars. No betting. Wait, now, we if, now, if you just roster. if you just want to look back and, and and just look at the the game this year, the Steelers beat the Browns thirty eight to seven uh, at 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 home in Pittsburgh. But that's a that's a different. Cleveland team at, at that point in time. They're going to send seven at uh, what's his name Baker Mayfield. I was about to call him Brady Quinn because it's essentially the same. I almost He's called him his ass beat tonight. They're, yeah, they're going to send seven at him. I'm not even watching tonight's game, and so this. But who the, but, but but their best linebackers are gone. So who are they going to rush at him? Does seven guys doesn't matter. Seven NFL quality guys. Well, but, but so if they're seven NFL quality guys, why did they lose the last two games? Because they didn't have to play the Cleveland Browns, Joe. They played the Washington <laughs> they played football Washington. team. Yeah, but it's the Cleveland Browns. They're division rival, and they're you know, historically terrible. It's the Cleveland Browns against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a division rival game. You have to factor all this shit in. It's a it's a derby, you know. You're so it's stuck just, in the Midwest with your with your thoughts on football. It's, no, it's I'm stuck in the fact that I've watched every single Pittsburgh Steelers game this year because my fiance is a Steelers fan, and I've seen them win eleven games. So I have a question. In, in those eleven, in like in the last uh, this season, right? Haven't you noticed that Ben Roethlisberger is becoming more and more, uh, less and less mobile, and his receivers less and are less catching- mobile. They never sneak. Like they never sneak. Yeah, but they, they don't never- need to because his his wide receivers are incredible. 
No, that's not the Steelers' problem. The Steelers' problem is they can't really run the ball. You know, they run or the receivers can't catch the ball in the middle anymore either. I mean, I think that happened last night, and that's it. It was bad. It was bad. I mean, there was a lot of drops. You can't really blame Roethlisberger for the for the drops. No, I don't. The Steelers' receivers are so good, though. I mean, yeah. they, they had a bad night last night, but they are a young group. And they, they talked about that this week. Like, Juju's been in the league for five years. He's 24. Like, yeah, feels like he's been around forever. Their worst receiver is 10 times better than our best New England. So, yes, I, I agree with you. 100%. Oh, well, absolutely. absolutely. Lamar Jackson, and, by the I, way, has had a, Lamar Jackson, by the way, has had a silly, silly stat line. And he and that team is still winning. That's it for my fantasy football hopes, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your fantasy football hopes over. I beat Mike, and I, I, I know I said it last night, and I keep saying I mean, everybody it. Everybody did. I but, was losing, uh, I was well, losing that's, to Bobby up to, like, 15 minutes ago. Sorry, Dave. Well, guys, so just so you know, I mean, between Mike and Dave, you, you made some interesting fantasy football trades this year. And at the yeah. end of the day, Dave, if you lose, it really didn't work out for either one of you. Yeah, so we did, just we did the blockbuster trades of our fantasy season. Twice. Neither of Twice. us made the playoffs. I think that's yeah. what's going to end up happening. <laughs> well, you, you would have if it were six teams. Oh, oh maybe not, actually. Way. It looks like DraftKings Metcalf is beating Robert's crazy team. I might squeak in, gentlemen. You couldn't. You I could. might and squeak if in you, here. If you get that four spot, I'll see you next week. Oh, so, wow. Uh, a couple, a couple of final questions as we we finish up the conversation here tonight. Um, but we we mentioned the Browns and how tonight's game would be huge for the Browns after after the Pittsburgh loss, which um, we would know that the, the Browns would be a game behind the Steelers in the AFC North. Uh, the Chiefs, the Chiefs, just squeaked. No, it's by Chief Bobby's. is plural. The Chiefs is plural. <laughs> who are the who are multiple the, Chiefs? Who are the chefs? You guys remember that yeah. commercial, the Snickers commercial? Yeah. That was a great commercial. <laughs> Not a sponsor. Uh, the, the Chiefs squeaked by the Dolphins um, to hold the top spot in the AFC. They also clinched the AFC West yesterday um, against Bobby's Dolphins. I, I really got to ask to go back to the AFC East for just a moment, Mike. Can can we? Can we get off? I mean, I really like the Dolphins coaching staff, but they're not that good. Well, I mean, Tua is not good yet. I, I think I still think he's better than uh, than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think oh, he yeah. gives you a better chance to win. I don't think he's a leader, or, or I think he's serviceable at this point in time. I think that that guy is is a little injury prone too. He's already been injured in his first year, but. I think what you can look at the the Dolphins and say is that they're so well coached and their team, I mean, every player is just in the right spot. I mean, they, they played the Chiefs perfectly. Mahomes had, what, two interceptions going into this week and he threw three? Yeah. I mean, that, that's just because they were in the right spot. So I actually think uh, my sneaky hot take is that the Dolphins are the best team in uh, in this AFC East division moving forward. I'm higher on Tua than I am on, on on Josh Allen. He's just not great yet. I mean, Bobby's been Bobby's been banging the drum of the Dolphins all season with his power rankings. He put him one underneath the Steelers, which is absurd. I, agree. I also want to take this time to say I, I gave Bobby a ton of shit this week about the Steelers or last week dropping to like fifth or whatever they dropped to. Um, he was right. He was right. <laughs> he th- well, they, they, think they that probably the Dolphins and the Steelers move. are roughly the same as one another. No, because yes. the Dolphins are going to drop out of the five spot, and the Steelers won't move much further down than the five spot. And I, I mean, they're still they're still eleven and two. So uh, we 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 tell you you're a homer because your fiance is a Pittsburgh fan. But it, I'll say this: it's tough that they lost the one seed. Uh, I think a team like Pittsburgh really could have used the one seed in, uh, in sure. the AFC for that bye week. 
The Dolphins also have the third hardest schedule in the league. Uh, pretending that didn't happen. They also have the rookie quarterback in, in Miami, but they also are we, so about, are we taking an official line here that we think that Miami Dolphins are good now? I think that they're. No. I, I think that their eight wins are, are just as impressive as the the Steelers eleven. All right, I, that's it for me. So <laughs> I, I don't. I I feel like I've been. I feel like all right. Bobby's not here to defend himself, so I'm not going to go down that road. But I'll die on that hill. I it, yeah, you that, sure fucking will. <laughs> yeah, Dave, I'm back on your bag and you sure will. For, Come play for, time. You're going to die as fuck on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. But going going back to the Steelers, you're you're absolutely right that they they would definitely benefit from that number one seed that first week by because it's kind of a similar situation to what the Patriots dealt with with an old Tom Brady towards the end of his time here, right? Where they have the old guy. They need him to have two weeks of rest or at least a week and a half uh, just to recover, to get ready for that. And I really don't think they're going to because, you know, one thing, and now it's turning into the Bobby hour. The one thing that Bobby said about the Chiefs, and he said it really all season, is that they're the best team in the NFL. But he had the, the Steelers there at the number one because they were undefeated. Watching that Steelers team play yesterday, even though Mahomes threw three picks, like, that was a very well-coached team. But again, Mike, what did I say about the Giants beating Seattle two weeks ago? What what is what is did the Giants and Dolphins have in common in their two very well-played games in the past two weeks? Both head coaches are from the Bill Belichick tree. I really think there's communication <laughs> that goes on there. No, 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 I do. I do. <laughs> it always comes back around to this. Well, this, but the sure. about their hands full in every game they've played this. He also this might season. have the worst coaching tree in the history of head coaching trees. I, yeah, I don't know. Make that argument. Let, let's see what happens with Joe Judge <laughs> and Brian Flores. But and and everybody wants to put Mike Vrabel in his coaching tree, and this is a completely different episode altogether. But Mike Mike Vrabel isn't in his coaching tree because What's Mike Vrabel never coached tree? him. <laughs> Where did they it's grow? Well, I mean, he was coached by Bill Belichick. No, I understand. Since <laughs> we started saying the phrase coaching tree, like it had ever been said before right now. <laughs> and, and it definitely just started getting said a second ago. Damn, it's a damn fair damn enough like, tree, like phrase, but it's not a thing that people say. But yes, go on. Go on. Dave, just pour yourself another glass of red wine and call it a day. <laughs> just start calling you Johnny Redwine. Forget DK yeah. Sizzle. So uh, anyway, we're we're done with the <laughs> the giving tree, and uh, we're moving on to the end of the show. So yeah, basically, uh, we're, we're coming up on an hour and a half, and I can see Greg dying slowly inside. <laughs> so anyway, uh, guys, do we have any any final words as we finish up our our weekly show here to to close out week fourteen of the NFL season? For me, what I would say is uh, it has nothing to do with the week 14 of the NFL season. I would, I would implore you, if you, have, if you know one or are one, if uh, a wrestling fan out there, please go check out episode two of, of Cheap Heat. We had a special guest on this past week. It was our own DK Sizzle, yeah, Dave Clark. We pulled, him, we, pulled him, we pulled him out of the woodwork, and, man, he brought it. So uh, we'll have that in the show notes. And also, I'm super excited to get back on Facebook, Twitch, live, whatever we're going to be doing this, this Sunday night. Like I'm, I'm ready for that live show. Dave, anything else to add? Yeah, I was going to say that about Cheap Heat also. I had such a fun time on Cheap Heat, and I know I keep saying that like over and over again, but I had so much fun doing it because I haven't thought about wrestling in so long until I started <laughs> talking to Mike again. And the irony is I prepped the entire day to do that show thinking that Mike was going to come in and just try to wax me in the, in that in like an argument about the WWF. But he was very kind, a lot kinder, in fact, than he was even to me tonight about the NFL. 
So uh, he was very kind. He could have just wiped the floor with me with his wrestling knowledge, but he just like, he carried me like a boxer carrying like a worse opponent for the entire thing. And we had a lot of fun doing it. So please do listen. I, I loved it. I think that was part of my attitude tonight where I was like, I, I'm, I was kind of in a fog the, for at least the first like half of the show. Cause I really thought Mike was going to come with like really hard at us about some stuff tonight. And I don't know why I think it's just what we think Mike is going to do. Cause he always yells at Craig about his microphone, not being in front of his face or he gets angry with Bobby, but, but guess what? Bobby's not here. So he, he might, no might have still been in cheap heat mode. We might've just been still been best friends after talking about wrestling yeah. for like an hour and a half. So uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, listen, each other. I, not a wrestling fan, but these guys do a great job over there on cheap heat. So check out the, the first two episodes. Um, they, they talk about the Montreal screw job in episode two. Um, it was a lot of fun. And, and you mentioned it, Mike, we're going to be back on Twitch this week uh, on for our live show on Sunday, uh, kind of our holiday extravaganza. And we have two, two interviews coming up this week that we're pretty excited for as well. So, so I'm Joe Malkin, joined by Dave Clark and Mike Margangelo this week. Thank you again to our EP, Craig D'Alessandro, who always does so much work for us. We can't say enough about him. Uh, again, I'm Joe Malkin. Thank you for joining us on Missing the Point, And we'll talk to you on Sunday for the live Sunday Night Sports Wrap. Thanks for listening to this episode of Missing the Point. Missing the Point is a one-hour weekly podcast recapping the biggest stories in the world of sports with a New England flavor. The show notes and transcript from today's show can be found in the description box below, as well as on our website, www.mtpshow.com. If you're new to the show and like what you heard, please consider subscribing. It's the easiest way to see when we publish new episodes. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate us and leave a review of any of our shows. Let us know how we're doing. We always appreciate your feedback. Also, be sure to follow us on all of our social medias. All of our links will be in the show notes. And check out our brand new website, www.mtpshow.com. That's mtpshow.com. For all of us here at Missing the Point, I'm Craig D'Alessandro. We'll talk to you next time. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid.